Hello, and thank you for listening to this message from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this message, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or a friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Now, let's join special guest Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, opportunity one more time. Lord, I, I don't know when you're coming back, but can you give us one more hour? Can you give us one more hour that the decision that you've made in eternity past that somebody will walk into their destiny this morning? That somebody will walk into this destiny this morning. Father, help me not to hold back, to say the things that I need to say, but also help me, Lord, please don't let me say anything that I should not say in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I got a uh, summons for jury duty. And to be honest, I'm not one of those people that try to get out of jury duty. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people just automatically try to get out of it. I don't really do that. Um, I think it's our responsibility as citizens to do that. So I was happy to do it. It was on a Thursday and uh, I went ahead and put it on my calendar, went ahead and took off work and I was all ready to go. Well, Wednesday afternoon, probably around two or three o'clock, something came up. And I don't mean it was just something. It was something very important that I needed to do the next day that was going to conflict with jury duty. So uh, I got to thinking, all right, I got, I got to get out of this jury duty. How am I going to do this? And it's already late in the afternoon. So I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to bank on the fact that they're not going to need me. I'm sure most of y'all know how that works, right? On the Wednesday at five o'clock, you call and you get a recording. And a lot of times they just say, you don't have to come because they've had a plea deal or something like that. So I said, well, surely they're not going to need me, right? So I just waited till 5 o'clock, called the number, and got the recording. And of course, right, you got to be there the next morning. We need you there at 8, 8.30 in the morning. Now, I really need to get out of jury duty. And this is where I found myself in kind of a pickle. Because you all know, I'm sure, that it would be pretty easy for me to get out of jury duty. There's a lot of ways to get out of jury duty. I could have got up the next morning and I could have called them and said, hey, I, I, I'm throwing up. Or better yet, I could have got my wife to call them and tell them that I'm throwing up. I could have said, I, I got a fever. Could have said, this is a get out of jail free card. I just got exposed to someone with COVID, right? I could have said, love to be there, but my truck won't crank. I mean, we could go on and on and on, right? It's easy to get out of jury duty. But here's the problem. None of those things are true. And, and let me just let you in on something. If it's not true, it's not an excuse. It's just a good old-fashioned lie. Let me say that again. If it's not true, don't call it an excuse because it's just a good old-fashioned lie. And as a Christian... I got this little problem. 
There's this little thing called the Ten Commandments, right? Right out of the gate, one of the first ten things God said is, don't lie. I got this guy in the New Testament by the name of Paul, and he, he says things like this, liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what am I going to do? Well, at the end of the day, there was only one thing I could do. So the next morning, I was supposed to be there at 8.30. I got up at 7.30. I called the number. And I'm thinking, Lord, please let this just be an answer machine so I can just tell them how sorry I am. Can't be there by. Hang up, right? <laughs> no, the lady answers the phone. So I launch into my story. I said, ma'am, I, I really, I'm scheduled for jury duty this morning. I don't mind coming to jury duty. I'm happy to serve at jury duty, but I just cannot make it. I've got a conflict. I've got something important that came up. And I, I, I just, and I told her what it was. I just told her the truth. This is exactly what happened. And I laid it all out there for her. Now, if this was a made-up story, if this was some uh, uh, story where I was trying to teach a moral of that you should always tell the truth and not lie, then that lady would have said, Mr. Gray, I, I'm so appreciative that you're telling me the truth. You don't know how many people lie to me to get out of jury duty. I'm just so happy you told me the truth. Of course you're dismissed. But this is not a made-up story, and that lady could care less what I told her. <laughs> she didn't care. I told this great story, and I, I went on and on, and, and, and I was just telling the truth, and, and she didn't care. She said, I'll see you down here at 8.30. Boom, clicked up. So I got in the, I jumped in the shower, got in the truck, ran up to jury duty, and, and there I was, right? And now here's the thing. It all ended up working out. Uh, I, at the, by 12 o'clock, they didn't pick me. And by the way, they never picked me. I don't know why. I, I can't explain it, but I've gone time and time and time again, and I walk out of there thinking, what is wrong with me? They just will not... Me. So I was home by 12 o'clock, and guess what? I was able to get this other thing done, and I didn't have to lie to do it. Now, here's the thing. Why am I telling you this story? Because I want to talk to you this morning about excuses. I want to talk to us about it. See, every one of us here are very familiar with something like that. Let's be honest. We've spent our entire life making excuses. You, you, you don't, nobody has to teach you to make excuses, right? If you got kids, you know, they come out of the womb with excuses. They got like a big, yeah, they're ready to go, right? We make excuses for the things we don't do. We make excuses for the things that we do. We all understand excuses. This morning, I'm going to pose to you one question, and that is this. What's your excuse? What's your excuse for not giving your all to the one who gave his all for you. What's your excuse for not being a Christian? Now, in just a minute, I'm going to give you my top five excuses that I've heard throughout my life. But before I do, I've got to, use, I've got to define the term Christian. Now, to be honest, we're here at 2021, and I never thought that in this day and age that somebody would have to stand in a pulpit and define what it means to be a Christian. But I'm afraid that our culture is throwing this term around and tagging this person and that person and this and that as Christian, 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 that we've just about lost 
what it really means to be a Christian. A few weeks ago, or a few months ago, there was a, a young man up in Atlanta that shot up, killed some people in some massage parlors. And I'll never forget, I, I opened an article and I began to read, and it said he was a born-again Christian. And I just want to scream, no! No, he's not. Christians don't do that. But that's what culture does now. They just throw it around because you go to church or you're a member of some denomination or, or you went to a youth camp or whatever. Christian, Christian, Christian. So I want to make sure we understand what I mean when I say, what's your excuse for not being a Christian? Listen, going to church does not make you a Christian. Being a member of a certain denomination does not make you a Christian. Giving your money to church does not make you a Christian. Having the right cultural values doesn't make you a Christian. Being baptized doesn't make you a Christian. Being a good person doesn't make you a Christian. Listen, those are all good things, but if you put them over here by themselves, in and of themselves, that's just religion. That's just religion. This is what Christianity is. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But when we put out the call for salvation, that's what we're calling people. Come have a relationship. Come know Jesus. Not just know about Him. Several years ago, I went to Washington, D.C., and I bought a book on George Washington. And I read everything I, I could about George Washington. I knew all about George Washington, but I don't know George Washington. A lot of people know about Jesus. But see, being a Christian is knowing Jesus. That's what Christianity is. Those other things, they're good things. But if you leave them in and of themselves, apart from relationship, all you've got is religion. So the question I'm posing this morning to you is, what's your excuse for not having a relationship with Jesus Christ? What's your excuse? Now, as I said earlier, I want to give you this morning five reasons that I hear, five excuses that I hear. Now, that, now, I'm not saying in any shape or form that this is all the excuses. We've all heard a lot of others. We've all made a lot of others. But I want to focus on five this morning. Here's the first one. People will judge me. Oh, I can't tell you how many times somebody told me, you know, I was sitting back there and, and the Holy Spirit was drawing me and I was be under conviction and I just couldn't move because I was afraid people would judge me. So let me answer that this morning. You're right. You're probably right. People will judge you because after all, it's just what people do, isn't it? People love to judge other people. So I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it and tell you, oh, no, nobody's going to judge you. You know, they probably are going to judge you. But here's the thing. You have to make a choice. Whose judgment do you value more? In John 12, 42 to 43, the Bible says this, Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. 
what an indictment. Here are these men, and they believe in Jesus. In other words, they literally believe that He is who He says He is. They believe He's the Son of God. They believe He's the Messiah. They believe all that stuff. But yet, it's all up here in their mind. And they can't quite take that step into the relationship and confess Him in front of other men. Why? Because they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise of God. You see, that's the choice you have to make this morning. Will other people judge you? Probably. But whose uh, judgment do you value more? People or God? You see, folks, one day you're going to stand before the judge of judges. You're going to stand before the judge of judges. And it's going to be you and him and all those people are going to be gone. Is that what you're going to say to him? I was worried about what other people thought. That's, that's what you're going to go with. That's going to be your excuse. Number two, church people are hypocrites. All right, let's just get that out of the way. You're probably right. In fact, you are right. In fact, let me get this out of the way. I am a hypocrite. L listen, I was thinking the other day, you know, you know what I can't stand is these government officials who tell you to do one thing and then they do something else. Do you hate that? Is that a hypocrite? Well, see, folks, I stand up here on Wednesday night and I teach the Word of God. And from time to time, I get a chance to stand in the pulpit and preach the Word of God. And yet I go back out to my life and every single day I fail to live up to the things that I teach and preach. I am a hypocrite. And my guess is, so are you. Every single person in here fits that definition. See, I, I, I don't study enough. I don't pray enough. I don't love enough. I'm not merciful enough. I'm not thankful enough. This week, my, my uncle was telling me a story about he was walking through a, a neighborhood near our house, and there was a house being built. And, and there was a construction worker that when he walked by, he was getting the construction worker was getting his tools out of his truck, getting ready to work. And my uncle said as he walked by, he said that man got down on his knees in the dirt beside his truck and began to pray. So my uncle said he just stopped and he waited till he was done. When he was done, he walked over to him. He said, sir, I just want to tell you, you just made my day. And he starts talking to him and he, and he eventually asked him, what were you praying about? That man said, oh, I was just thanking God that he gave me a job for this day. I was just thanking God that he provided for me a way to provide for my family. Folks, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm not thankful enough. That made me feel, I was like, man, what's wrong with me? I, I need to be that guy. See, I understand that hypocrisy is a turnoff. I get it. I understand if you look around at, at some Christians and you say, well, they, they don't even, their lives aren't any different from some unbelievers I know. Or, or if you look around at some Christians and say, well, they're, they're people, they're worse than some unbelievers I know. Or I can even understand if you've been hurt by people who call themselves Christians. I get it. I understand that that is a detriment. 
but I need to tell you something. And I want you to listen to me. If you don't get anything else I say, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say right now. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, Paul says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. The truth of Christianity rises and falls on one thing, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not the behavior of somebody who calls themselves a Christian. You see, if the resurrection is a lie, then this is all a lie. If the resurrection didn't happen, then let's just go eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. We're going to die. This is, this is a joke. This is, a, this is ridiculous why we're even wasting our time here if the resurrection is not real. If the resurrection is a lie, this is all a lie, but if it's true, it's all true. You understand that? If it's true, it's all true. He is who He says He was. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is our last judge. He is our soon coming King. Amen. It's all true. But listen to me. You see, in the end, if that's your excuse by looking at people, let me tell you, there's only one life that matters. And that is the life of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ lived a perfect life on this world, so I wouldn't have to. Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for my hypocrisy. And then I put my faith in Him, and in the world's greatest exchange, He gives me His righteousness. That's the gospel, folks. That's the gospel. See, the, His is the only life that matters in the end. One day you're going to stand before the judge of the world. You're going to stand before that man that lived a perfect life. And that's what you're going to say? Those other people were hypocrites. That's what you're going to go with? Number three, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. You know, for years I used to try to convince people that they're not good. Because, by the way, that's what the Bible says. Jesus said there's only one good, and that is who? God. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. There's none who seeks after God. I used to try to convince people that, but what I've decided is you can't convince people. I, even the, the, the murderer serving a life sentence thinks he's a good person. Everybody thinks they're a good person, no matter what you've done. So I just... After a while, I said, okay, let's do it this way. Let's say, for the sake of discussion, that is true. You are a good person. And you are. Y'all are, are good people. Y'all are good people. The problem is, you're not good enough. That's the problem. That's the problem. I used to tell a story. It's a dumb story, but it makes a point. Three men decide they're going to swim from California to Hawaii. And these, by the way, that's 2,500 miles. That is an impossible swim. But three men decide they're going to try it. The first guy that steps up is, is, I mean, he's a sad excuse for a human being. He's an alcoholic. He's been a drug addict all his life. His body is just ravaged with the use of those things. And I mean, he decides, for whatever reason, I'm going to try it. 
And he wades into the water and starts swimming. He makes it about 100 yards, and boom, he's, he's out. He's gone, drowned. The second guy comes in, and he's a middle-of-the-road guy, right? He's just a dad and good family man and, and good father and good citizen, just a regular guy, doesn't have all those issues and stuff. And he decides, for whatever reason, he's going to try it. He wades out in the water and starts swimming, and man, I, I'm, I, people are shocked. He makes it five miles. He doesn't even train. He makes it five miles, and boom, he goes under. He's, he's gone. The third guy steps up, and this guy is a world-class marathon swimmer. He swum the English Channel several times, which is about 21 miles across at its narrowest point. This guy watches his diet. He watches his nutrition. He makes sure nothing bad gets into his body. And uh, like I said, trains every single day. He's, as, as far as swimmers go, he is the best there is. He wades into the water, and he takes off, and, buddy, he swims the swim of his life. And he makes it about 30, 35 miles, further than he's ever made in his life, and he's down, he's gone. What's the point? The point is they all drown. They all drown. See, the fact is, even the best swimmer in the world can't make the impossible swim, and, only the, and even the best person in this world can't meet the standard that God has set to get into heaven. By the way, this is his standard, Matthew 5, 48. Be, you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the standard. You want to get into heaven? You got to be perfect. No mistakes, not one single sin, not one single error that you've made in your life. You have to be perfect. God doesn't require goodness. He requires perfection. That's why Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody, nobody can do it. One day you will stand before a holy and perfect God. And you're going to go with, I was a good person. That's going to be your excuse. Number four, I'm not ready yet. I, I usually hear this from young people, right? Young people want to sow their wild oats and pray they don't get a crop, right? That's what uh, I heard somebody say one time. <laughs> I get it. I, I, was, I was young at one time. They look at Christianity and they think, well, there's a bunch of thou shalt nots and thou shalt nots. And man, I just, I just want to live my life, man. I want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for, for just a little while. I, was, I just want to enjoy it for just a little while. And in their mind, what they think is that one day, when I settle down, one day when I've got all that out of my system, then I'm going to serve the Lord. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me. See, you think the race is to become a Christian before you die. That's not the race. The race is to become a Christian before your heart gets so hard that you can't do it anymore. Let me say that again, young person, middle-aged person. You think the race is, I, I, I just got to be a Christian before I die. I remember as a young person, I've said this before, dumbest thing in the world. I knew I wasn't right with God. And I would think in my mind, what if I die? And in my mind, somehow I thought, 
right before I die, I'm going to say, save me Jesus, or something like that, right? You know, right before the, the cars collide, save me Jesus, and somehow... So you, that's how we think. We think the race is to become a Christian before we die. No, the race is to become a Christian before your heart gets so hard that you can't repent anymore. The Bible tells us in Hebrews of a man named Esau. And, and it says that Esau, when he, he, he got ready to, to have that relationship, it says he couldn't repent anymore. Even though he cried with tears, he couldn't find a place of repentance. Why? Because it was too late. Luke 12, 19 through 20, Jesus tells a story of a man. And this man is a rich man. He's, he's, he's focused on his career. He's focused on all of this stuff. And he says one day he has this bumper crop one year. And he literally makes so much money. He has so much stuff that he realized, man, I am set for life. And Jesus said this, and I will say to my soul, this man said, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool, you fool, your soul is going to be required tonight, tonight. See, let me ask you this. Those of you that use that excuse, I'm not ready. What in the world makes you think you'll be ready next Sunday? What, what makes you think you'll be ready six Sundays from now or six years worth of Sundays from now? What, what's going to be different next week than's different today? Nothing. Nothing. That's why the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, today is the day of salvation. Not next week. Today is the day of salvation. Right now. Right now, God has put you in this place, foreordained the sovereign God of the universe, that you would sit here and hear this message today. Today is the day, not next week. Today is the day. One day... You're going to stand before the eternal God of the universe. And that's what you're going to say, I was never ready. That's going to be your excuse. That's what you're going to go with. Number five, I've got other things to do. This is one that the Bible puts out there. Luke 14, 16 through 17. Jesus is telling the story. He says this, a man once gave a grand banquet or a great banquet. He invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, everything is ready. The king is inviting people to a banquet for his son. Listen, right now, this is what's happening. Whether you realize it or not, right now, the king is inviting you to a banquet with his son. He's inviting you to come fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. That same invitation is going across, hopefully, going out on all churches in this county and in this state and in this country and all around the world, the invitation this morning is going out. Come. The banquet is ready. Come, have fellowship with my son, Jesus Christ. Verses 18 and 20. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field. I got to go see it. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I got to go examine them. Another said, I've married a wife, and I cannot come. See, those are the excuses. Can you imagine? The king, the king has invited you to come to the banquet with his son, the fellowship with his son, and all across America this morning, and all across this state, and all across this county, 
People are focused on their portfolios. They're focused on their careers. They're focused on their marriages. They're focused on their families. And they make excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. You know, it's a funny thing to me. We go to funerals. And, and they, they, they place the person up here in a coffin. And we've heard it said over and over again, they're in a better place. Yet, many of those people I know in that coffin have spent their whole lives making excuses not to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And somehow, when they die, the thing that they spent their whole life trying to avoid is suddenly going to take place? No. No. Listen to Luke 14, 24. These are the words of Jesus. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. See, the banquet represents fellowship with Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. If you go your whole life, excuse after excuse after excuse, God says, none of you, none of you will taste my banquet. None of you will have fellowship. If you make, see, now is the time to get over the excuses. Now is the time to set those aside and have fellowship with the Son. On the day of judgment, You'll stand before the Father, the Son, and you'll say, how many times did I invite you? How many times did I pull you? How many times did I call you to have fellowship with my Son? And you're going to say, but I had other things to do. That's going to be our excuse. I want to close with this, Jeremiah 5, 30 to 31. The Lord says, an appalling and horrible thing has happened to the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so. And then Jeremiah asks this question, but what will you do when the end comes? Wow. That's a question, isn't it? What will you do when the end comes? In the Bible, there are three cases, there may be more, but these are the three that I know about, where we are given a glimpse into what happens when somebody dies. Three cases in the New Testament where we are given a glimpse into what happens after somebody dies. The first one we find in Matthew 7, 22 to 23. These are the words of Jesus. He said this, on that day, talking about judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. See, these are religious people. They thought that Christianity was all about doing good works. It's all about going to church, all about, uh, uh, you know, giving to the church, all about being a, a good person and all that. And Jesus says, but, but you never had a relationship with me. You knew about me, but you didn't know me. You, you didn't walk with me and talk with me and pray with me and, and read with me. You didn't do any of those things. I never knew you. See, it goes back to what we said at the front. This is not about religion. It's about relationship. Number two, the second example we get where we see kind of what happens behind the scenes 
is the story of rich man and Lazarus. The story goes, the rich man was, this guy was super wealthy. What the Bible says is that he feasted sumptuously every day. What that means is he had steak and lobster and and ribeyes and lobster and ribeyes and just whatever he wanted every single day. And Lazarus was a beggar who sat at the front gate. And it says the dogs licked his sores. You couldn't have had it any different on this earth. And Jesus tells this. It says the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And the rich man said, Father Abraham, I don't belong here. I'm a good person. There's been some mistake made. That's not what he said, is it? Do you notice he made no excuses? He knew he was where he had chosen to be. See, I'm convinced beyond convinced that every person like that rich man that spends their whole life making excuse after excuse after excuse, when they end up apart from Christ, they will understand, I chose this. This is on me. I had every opportunity. This is on me. See, he doesn't make any excuses. In fact, all he can ask for is a drop of water. See, the time of excuses are past. The third one goes back to that same story of the wedding banquet where Jesus tells a story and they, he says, go out in the highways and byways and just invite, just bring anybody in, the lame, the poor, it doesn't matter, just bring them to the banquet. And we get down, this is in Matthew 22, 11 through 13, says this, but when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw a man who didn't have a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? Now, folks, the wedding garment is a covering. That represents the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, I mentioned earlier, I'm a hypocrite. Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay for my hypocrisy, so that if I put my faith in Him, I am covered with His blood. When God looks at me, He sees Jesus. When God judges me, He sees Jesus. That's, that's the good news. See, this, bank, this, this wedding garment represents the covering of the blood of Jesus, and this is what He's asking Him. How did you get in here without being covered by my Son's blood? And notice what the man said. He said nothing. Absolutely speechless. Because really, honestly, on that day, what else are you going to say? What else do you say when you stand, when you see him for who he is? Isaiah said, I I saw him and I said, woe is me. Woe is me. See, the time for getting past the excuses is right now. It's today. Don't don't wait because in the end, there are no excuses. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is me and that is you. I can't make it into heaven. I'm not good enough because He requires perfection. So Jesus Christ, even while we were sinners, gave His life for us, died for me to pay for my hypocrisy on that cross. And Romans 10, 9 says, If I will confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, believing in my heart that God has raised Him from the dead, I will be saved. You will be saved. But you have to get past the excuses. You have to get past the excuses. Today is the day of salvation. I want everybody to stand, if you will. And um, Priscilla, if you want to come. And if you will, I just want you to close your eyes. Just bow with me. If you're here today and you have made excuse after excuse after excuse, I'm going to just put it very frankly. It's over. It's time. Today is the day. Folks, I'm going to be really, really honest with you. I, I don't know where this message came from. It just came and I preached it. But I just really feel like that for some of you, this is, this is as in your face as it can possibly, God can possibly get. It's, it's time. It's time for you to choose God instead of judgmental people. It's time for you to choose God over your career and even over your family if you have to. It's time for you to put Him first and put the excuses aside. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to come forward right now. Jesus said... If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you won't, I won't. Today's the day. Do not let this day go by, please. Thank you, ma'am. Brother Bill. Anyone else? Anyone else? Today is the day. Today's the day. Do not let it go by. I choose you, God. I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Listen, listen to this indictment. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. That indictment followed those men into eternity. Do not let it follow you into eternity. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. We've got three down here. Is there anyone else? Young people. Young people. Listen to me. The race is not to get saved before you die. The race is to get saved before your heart gets too hard to turn to Him. If you're here this morning and you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you, if you feel, then thank God for that. But don't ignore that. Every time you ignore it, your heart gets harder and harder and harder and harder. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? You want to come? Today's the last. No more excuses. No more excuses. Anyone else? I was thinking this morning that, as I said earlier, one day we all stand before the judge. We all. You don't get out of it. It doesn't work that way. We all stand before the judge. And maybe in, there's somebody in their mind, they'll think back to that Sunday at River of Life. And that old gray-haired boy got up and talked about excuses. And they'll think, man, if I just had one more chance. If I just had one more chance. This is your chance right now. Anybody? Anybody before we close? Let's pray. Father, Holy Spirit, I ask you to do what my words cannot do. Do what my words cannot do. I cannot scare anybody into heaven. I cannot convince anybody into heaven. I can't do it. But oh, Holy Spirit, you can make the dead alive again. You can make the blind see. You can make the deaf hear. You can make the lame walk. You can shine a light into people's heart so they see Jesus for the first time, not as foolish and stupid and not worthy of their time, but as the most beautiful thing they've ever seen in their life. Only you can do that, Holy Spirit. Father, if there's anyone here right now at this time, And they're sitting there thinking, what if, I, if he just give me one more opportunity? Lord, let him come now. Let him come now. Let, don't let us leave this place with one heart being unsettled. Not one. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for viewing this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can also call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life Live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.